Hi everybody, welcome to the fourth episode of Safari 22 in season two. I am extremely excited to have on my good friend, Devin Barrett. Devin, how are you today? I'm doing good, man. How about you? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to have you on here. I know you're an entrepreneur. I know you're an evangelist and I know you really love to just get out there, conversate with people and really engage in the community. And that's why I thought it'd be great to have you on here for the Spirit, Mind and Body podcast of Savari 22. And I'm just really excited to get into it. And it's been a while since we talked. So first and foremost, tell me, how are you? I know you're married, you have a couple of kids. Tell me all about that. Yeah, man, it's been it's been a while since we caught up. Actually, I remember doing what was at work. We were doing ground maintenance over at Bemidji State together. And like humble beginnings, man. Six, seven, oh man, six, seven, maybe eight years ago. And uh talking about the Lord. That was actually pretty fun. I remember that. Yeah, lots happened since then. I've graduated school, started a ministry, been in and out of a couple of different ministry programs, YWAM, Christ for All Nations, uh boot camp graduate as well and i've got yeah i've been married in that time and have uh two little adorable children i've got a little girl she's two years old her name is lux and a little guy named lenny so he's like 10 months old right now so god's been good he's been blessing us and been doing business as well like you said which has been crazy started a uh a drywall and painting business and so uh not something i planned on doing but honestly just kind of how things worked is something i knew how to do while i was going to school and being an entrepreneur, honestly, it's just in this area that I'm in, it was kind of just like a no brainer. It was, it was where the work was at. So started that and started getting jobs and then hiring on guys and becoming a partnership and yeah, just God's been growing the business as well. So it's been good. So that's awesome, man. Glad, glad to hear it. One, one thing I wanted to ask you before we really get into it is what is it like balancing work life and, and family life? You know, you got two kids and, and you're pioneering a business that, that takes time. So tell me a little bit how you time manage or how do you balance that? Yeah, honestly, I'm probably honestly still figuring it out, but <laughs> it's, it's a challenge. I mean, honestly, when you go to work, work, you know, come home and try to put it aside and just spend time with the wife and the kids. And honestly, most of the time, I'm pretty good at doing that. Um, there's sometimes things are crazy and I'm on the phone a little bit at home and it's just kind of the office admin stuff. And I think just trying to be at least in the same room with them doing that and not like being separate so I can still spend time with my kids and be around my wife. Um, I might not be getting the best quality time with them, but I'm definitely getting some quantity time with them then. So I always think that's super important that you're at least around your children and around your wife, even if you're at home and you have some business stuff you guys still take care of. So. Yeah, I think that's really cool. How long have you been married? Uh, I've been married five years, actually just coming up on six now. So, oh. yeah. so you're well-seasoned then. <laughs> I wouldn't say quite well-seasoned, but yeah, I'm getting up there. Soon I'll be a, I'll be a vet, veteran for sure. So Yeah, definitely have to get some pointers from you whenever, whenever I turn that corner. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll give you some advice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, one more question about your family. What What is it like having a boy and a girl? Like, what's the difference? One easier or what? Yeah, actually, it is crazy. You, The way you look at a girl versus a boy is so much different, especially as a father. I mean, I remember our first, when we were first pregnant, and I just was like, I want a boy. I want a boy. <laughs> and I ended up getting a little girl. And I'm like, okay, like, I was hoping for that son, you know? And then it was so crazy. I remember sitting in the hospital room that first night, just in tears, like, I'm going to take care of you. And, and, uh, I, man, my heart just like completely melted for this little girl. And like, even to today, like my wife will tease me that she has me wrapped around my finger, like, or she, I have, she has me wrapped around her finger. And I've always think it's funny. Cause like, she's like my princess and you view her that way. And she could, man, she could do anything. And you're just like right there to love her and, and forgive her for anything and just keep, encouraging her and challenging her to grow and man she can't do anything wrong ever it feels like it's just loving her like that and then a son finally got the son second time right and mm -hmm. he came out and it was like oh i could take another little girl i love this little girl she's so sweet and then i'm like what do i do with the boy and now there's this this idea that he is literally you are pretty much cultivating him to become a man and there's kind of like that weight that was put on me right away at first. I was kind of actually intimidated by it, a little freaked out that it's my job to help instill this like 
idea of what is a man and what is a man after God look like and, and pretty much that he's going to look at everything that I'm doing in my life. And am I doing those things? Mm -hmm. And it became such a different weight. And honestly, I look at him and I love him so much dearly too. It's, it's a little different guy to girl, but he, I look at him and it's more intimidating, but to the point that's like, he's going to become such a world changer and a leader and just as a man and what he can do for God, you know, it's just, it's completely different than in a, a woman's sense, you know? And so there's a lot more challenge there, but yeah, he's so sweet. He's been climbing up on stuff lately and, and dancing and chatting a little bit. So it's, it's sweet. So he's awesome. That's, that's awesome, man. And amen to all those things you said. Uh, how do you, how do you handle that, that weight that you said when it comes to being that father that, that grows this? this child into a man yeah honestly first little bit of it probably like the first few weeks just really kind of like looking at my life and analyzing like first off am I who I need to be you know like what does my life look like and if he's watching is he going to see the things that he should or is he going to see something that he shouldn't you know like that question of integrity like what happens behind the scenes like you really have to look at yourself and and it's like they're going to see everything behind the scenes you know and so I have to like really like check myself and be like, am I pure? Am I living a godly lifestyle? And honestly, it took me about two weeks to really just go through and just like be refined in just a couple areas, you know, in my life. And which was actually an amazing thing. I just feel like it actually led me into just or kind of brought me back into a holiness place with the Lord. And honestly, strengthened me crazy enough. It's it's actually life giving as well. It's like the Lord do that. So, yeah, it's just powerful. So. Awesome, man. Well, that's something that I do, you know, want to get into it with you in this podcast, because I've known you since you were 18, 19 years old. Like you said, we were doing the lawn care stuff together. And I'm just curious, because there is a little bit of gap in our, our history of communicating together. Just dive in a little bit about your walk with God and, and how that's been the last several years and how it's come to this point specifically with how God has led you into what you're doing now, your passion, and, and secondly, how, how it's helped you become a father. Yeah, no, I can kind of fill in that story. So yeah, you and me, we met, man, it was right after a freshman year of college. And actually, so I, I had right before my freshman year of college had just given my life to the Lord. I grew up in the church and, uh, you know, had prayed a prayer my entire life multiple times, you know, I had this kind of like an idea of a relationship with God, but I was never fully surrendered to him. I was always one foot in and one foot out. And I ended up that summer between my high school and going to college, I ended up experiencing the Lord um, after surrendering, like surrendering everything to him. And I remember just like, actually heard the Lord's voice, like speak to me, like in my heart wasn't audibly. And he said, like, I was actually crying out. I said, God, I'd give you everything just to know your power and to know your love. And in that moment, I heard him say, submit to me. So I got on my knees. And the second I got on my knees, the power of God just poured over my entire body. I remember sitting there trembling and shaking under the power of the Holy Spirit on the ground. And I stayed there for four hours under this immense power and love of God, just rocking me to my core. And after that, I mean, I was definitely changed. Like I wanted to live for God, but there was a lot of refining and understanding of what that looked like. I had not a lot of truth. I had, you know, I, I had read the Bible and known it and from a knowledge standpoint, but I never actually understood it from like in my heart to like live it. And so that summer, I remember just trying to find people who were, I was like, man, I just want to find Christians because I was hanging out with the wrong guys. Like, I remember just hanging out with guys who we were going to parties and, and uh, stuff like that. And I was super convicted because of it because I knew I shouldn't be doing that. And I remember talking yeah, with you and stuff like that about the Lord. And I just loved it because we were like, dude, I could actually talk to someone about stuff like this and who actually understood what was going on. And um, right after that, it was into my sophomore year of college. The Lord uh, really began to prune me. And I was seeking him hard, really hard and trying to understand truth and wrestling with a lot of things from the world and him. And I actually ended up, I was driving home my sophomore year of college. And I heard uh, the Lord again speak. And here, this was just the thing I remember hearing. It was something on the radio. I was listening to a Christian radio station and something along the lines that said, when you sin. And I was like, oh, okay. And the Lord said, Devin, it's not when you sin, it's if you sin. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's weird. I'm like, I heard the guy on the radio say, when you sin. And, and God just interrupted, said, Devin, it's not when, it's if. 
So I remember just going home and opening up the Bible and just being like, okay, I'll, I'm going to challenge this. And the only place I know to challenge it is the word of God. And God just took me into the word. And within three days, I've come out of the Bible and I just realized, you know, the Bible never does say that to a believer that you are going to have to stumble again and again and sin, that there's hope for freedom. And I just remember going to bed um, and I remember thanking God that he made me a son and that he's my father and that he forgave me of my sins. And I woke up the next day and no joke, it was like a complete like perspective shift, like everything changed, everything. Like I'm talking about like years and years of addiction to pornography being broken off overnight, like just something about it. And then I was excited for God. Like I remember just being like, I loved God. I would do anything. I would go pray for people in the streets. I was doing anything I could do to serve the Lord. Right. But I was undone. When I became free and he set me free from the things I've been struggling with and was literally delivering me from my past and my sin, I was like, it was a game changer, man. I was like, this gospel isn't just for one day, it's for right now. And I became just crazy. I told everybody I could not hold it in. So um, that kind of started up a lot of ministry. Um, I was already kind of helping out with some groups already, but I went and started helping out in different college campus groups. I was helping out at a youth group also. And the Lord really put college students in my heart. And so I remember starting a worship night and uh, we would gather around and worship. And then at the end of the meeting or at the end of worship, we'd pray and I would say, okay, guys, we're going to go out to Walmart and we're going to go to the mall and we're going to go to the bars. We're going to go anywhere we can go and find people. And we're going to go tell them about Jesus and pray for them. And I would take high schoolers and, and freshmen out into the streets who have never told anybody in their life about Jesus. And they go out and pray for people and tell people about Jesus and lay hands on people and actually see people get healed and, and crazy stories like that would just blow people's minds and people giving their life to the Lord. And I was doing that and just, man, it was great. And some really fun stuff happened then in that season. And I look back at it now and I still just love it. It was just like, we had no idea what we were doing, but we were just like, hey, if we're gonna, if we're gonna go after it, I'm sure God's gonna intervene and help. And he did, he just guided us. and ended up leading me to YWAM Australia. And I did a DTS there and it was an awesome time and journey in my life. And at the end of that DTS, I was praying oh, again. Hold on, hold on. Uh, yeah. what's DTS, what's DTS? Sorry, uh, it's a discipleship training school. Um, so YWAM stands for Youth with a Mission. And they're, uh, they're a big organization. It's a non-denominational organization all over the world. I believe they have bases in like every single um, country. And so, and they do missions to pretty much everywhere. I mean, anything you think of YWAM is connected to it one way or another, they are doing missions there. And so discipleship was all about, YWAM's vision was to, to know God and to make him known. And so we spent three months in the word of God, learning who he is, knowing him better, praying, just growing in our relationship with him. And then we went and spent three months doing missions. And so in that missions, I believe I went to, uh, it was Indonesia, I went to Sri Lanka, and then a different part of Australia, and we did missions all over, and it was awesome. We got to see God do some amazing things, miracles after miracles, and salvations, and, uh, but yeah, really, the Lord, when I got back, I was praying about where to go next, and God put it on my heart. He said, he said, go back, plug yourself into college campuses, you're going to be a key, or you're going to be a key person in the movement I'm sending on my nation. And I just would be like, okay, like, well, I don't, I have no idea what that means at all. So I'm like, well, I'll just do what he said. I'm going to go back, plug myself in the college campus and do some ministry. So we came back and uh, a buddy of mine actually was, who was there with me from high school. And I don't know if you remember, his name is Austin Kovach. He actually helped out on ground maintenance. And so he kind of got saved in this whole time right before going to uh, YWAM and he came with and came back and he actually started the ministry with me and which is called eternally king ministries and it was all about just a place where god can be god and seeking the the college students to see them encounter god so that god could change their lives and so starting up that ministry it was uh it's been going for yeah probably like seven years now or six years now and uh we've been reaching college students with the presence of god and we throw worship meetings and people come in and worship and hear from God. Um, there's been prophecies over people. The spirit of God has shown up in the room and touched people and, and encounters like I had had. And um, there's been miracles. I mean, yeah, you name it. It's been, it's been extraordinary. So, and that kind of leads me up into the recent part of my life here is being married. I got, I got married uh, shortly after we started that. My wife ended up showing up to one of those meetings. And after a couple of years of doing that ministry, I remember 
we, we were seeing the presence of God show up. Like if, if someone showed up who was not saved, they got saved. If somebody showed up who would never experienced God, they experienced God. Like God was in the meeting night after night after night. It was just crazy. It was like this amazing grace. And honestly, we didn't know what we were doing. We would just, we just had the expectation and the hunger when we showed up that we were like, we want God at whatever the cost. And so we'd show up and that was, uh, we, we just like, God's coming tonight. Like he's in this room already, but he's going to manifest in a way and meet you wherever you need it. And the teachings were nothing complex or super deep theologically. They were just the simple teachings of Jesus, man. I mean, it was, it was just super pure and God moved in it like none other. And I never feeling it was just, just me, but after a couple of years of it, I remember feeling, uh, what's the word? It was, I guess I, I just wasn't satisfied with it anymore. And I, I, didn't, I didn't understand why, because I was like, most people, most pastors or, or people in ministry would give anything to have this week after week after week, what we were experiencing. I mean, it was literally revival. Like it was mm -hmm. what it was every night. And um, I wasn't satisfied. And I just remember being like, I oh, got, I want more. Like, I want to see more. Like, this is just like, we're seeing a few people here and a few people there, but I'm like, I want to see this more of this, you know, ended up going on to Instagram and a long story short, ended up going to a school called Christ for all nations, uh, the evangelism bootcamp, which is the ministry of Daniel Kalenda and Reinhard Bunke. They do uh, evangelism mass crusades in Africa. And for the first time they were throwing a like 50 student class and pretty much training and equipping people in mass crusade evangelism, which is like something I had a heart for. And I was like, I'll throw an app application in. I'm not sure if I'm going to get in. And sure enough, I got accepted. So my wife and I actually moved down to Orlando for six months and no kids at this time, jumped in, did a, did a four month like school with them every day, just going through what it looks like to do crusades, to do evangelism on a mass scale and amazing teachers. I mean, we had, we had, uh, Michael Culianos, Benny Hinn, uh, Brian Guerin, uh, man, so many crazy people coming through our school that were just awesome to listen to. Eric Gilmore every morning, some really cool people. And uh, yeah, just at the end of that school, being trained, ready to go to the nations, and we were going to go to Africa and preach and do crusades in Africa. And that's kind of what I assumed that I wanted to see, you know, millions of people come to the Lord, and I'm going to do this in Africa. And uh, while I'm sitting there at the last day of school, I see a vision, a map of the United States. And instead of cities on that map, there's college campuses. And one by one, there's flames that begin to light up the campfires on each campus until it looks like the entire map is lit with these fires. And then I hear a wind and it blows from the west to the east. And those flames from the campus spread to the entire map of America. And I'm watching this picture in my head and I'm just like, what am I seeing? And no joke, not even a minute after I see this, the speaker, Eric Gilmore, gets up and he says, I, I, need, to, I need to prophesy. And he never has done this. And he goes, I need to prophesy. There's somebody in here who's called to the college campuses of America. I need you to stand up. And I, I'm like, I, mean, I honestly, like, I have a heart for college campuses. And I just saw this. I'm like, I know, I know it's got to be. And so I stood up and he just began to prophesy everything in my life and like what God was going to begin to do. And so with that, we still went to Africa, preached the gospel to um, thousands and thousands of people. Um, I believe in one week's time, I spent some time in schools. I saw over 11,000 people give their life to the Lord. And these are some schools were 50% Muslim and, and uh, Christians who were like fourth or fifth generation like Lutherans. So they'd never known what it like to give their life to the Lord or make a decision for Jesus. They thought baptism was salvation, you know? So just seeing the fruit of that, I'm like, man, in one week, it was amazing the amount of fruit. And here I am back in America on college campuses and we're laboring so hard and seeing, you know, a handful of people here and a handful of people, people there. And I'm like, I don't know what God's doing, but I do know one thing that being obedient to the Lord is everything. Like to do what God has called you to do is, is a privilege and the best place that you can be, you know, like there's no better place to be. So it's been about two years since that school. We've been back. Uh, we've been doing crusades on campus. And I've done two here at Bemidji State already. And we've seen uh, over 100 people give their life to the Lord in those two crusades alone, not considering the weeks where we go out and do one-on-one -on -one and evangelism and stuff like that. And so every week, I usually go out to the campus and walk around and talk to college students and pray for them and tell them about Jesus. And we have some pretty awesome stories where kids, you know, who've never heard the gospel or there's people who get healed and 
people who give their life to the Lord right there in the street. It's, it's been amazing. So and that's where my heart honestly is. And I would, I'd love to see God move on other campuses as well. And honestly, just waiting for doors to open truly. I mean, we've knocked multiple times. It's, it's more complicated than you'd think, but uh, we're just believing that God is moving on other campuses already. And I would love to be a part of it. So, but yeah. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So, so many cool things that you had just talked about and Literally, I don't think I've ever had a podcast where I just haven't talked for like five minutes. So that's awesome. <laughs> Talk for a little while, right? <laughs> no, I no, that was exactly what I wanted. It's actually better than what I wanted. So I appreciate you for that. That was great. Um, one question I wanted to ask about specifically, well, a lot of questions, but one specifically, okay, because you do have this burning passion for what it is that you're doing. And I just want to know why, like, what is it? that makes you want to do what it is that you're doing, whether it's on college campus, because I know you'll do it anywhere. You do it in a cave, if you, if, right? But obviously you're being obedient, but what is it that that's burning in your heart that says, do this? I mean, obviously I think you kind of hit it. You said it, it's passion. And to be honest, I guess I'm not entirely sure where the passion comes from, but I would say, God, I would say like when I do, evangelism on a campus or anytime I'm even on a college campus I feel like I come alive you know like there's like it's like I'm meant to be there like I can just tell like this is what makes me happy you know like mm -hmm. about like it's funny people always say do what makes you happy it's kind of like a worldly like thing we'll just say and it's funny but like there's there is some truth to it like I think a lot of times like where God's called us is like sometimes where you are happy like this is what God's called you to do I mean you gotta check to make sure you're not in doing something bad you know but like yeah, it's, it's truly just, I, I feel like I'm called to be there and man, loving God. Like, I mean, just when you love him, I guess I, I know you want to do what he called you to do. And I always encourage people like, what has God called you to do? Ask him that question. Because once you find that thing, it's like, there's no greater privilege than to partner with what he's called you to do, no matter how little or how big it is. It's all the same in his eyes. It's like obedience, you know, it's really simple. It's this idea of obedience and yeah, just the passion for that. Um, I, I honestly would say that a passion just for it just comes from the Lord. I mean, it's something he puts in your heart, puts it down inside you and says, you know, go for it. So mm -hmm. let's talk about the, let's talk about those those tough choices that you had to make, though, because this 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 happens that I mean, I've talked to a lot of Christians now and especially uh, Christians that are males. And it seems like there is this common thread. I hear the word submit and I hear the word obedience and I hear the word surrender and 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 getting on your knees okay one why is that so hard for us <laughs> and two why is that such a big deal i i mean humility really mm -hmm. uh, i think that would be the biggest thing in our in our culture humility is often rarely taught to us especially as men uh if if you've uh, ever grown up with a father who maybe never said like i'm sorry to you like you know he mm -hmm. does something he never have done and doesn't even come back and apologize I mean, right there, a father's creating identity in a child. And a lot of times, like as men, we've, we've just never learned what it's like to be humble or be taught what it's like to be humble, to be able to make a mistake, to be able to apologize, you know? And uh, yeah, they, that would be probably one of the biggest things when we hear the words like submit and to get on your knees. It's, it's this idea like we would look weak, you know? Mm -hmm. and, but like, dude, we're weak. He is strong. Like it's, it's we come to our end so that he can have a beginning and use you for what you're actually intended to do like there's a saying i've heard it's it's a it's an amazing saying but it's like all you have to do is give up something you were never created for you know like i was never created for me i was created for him and when that understanding it's like oh i can easily give that up like my life wasn't mine anyways you know it's actually becomes easier to do that you know yeah that absolutely and that's oh it makes it makes so much sense and and let me just put it in in it in a very simple sense, that we all desire to be a part of a community. We all desire to be a part of a team and we all desire to give up ourselves for a greater purpose. We do actually all truly desire to do that. Now we can either, we right, and that's why corporations are successful. That's why teamwork is successful. That's why football is successful, right? These things are a deviation, for better or for worse, of what the church is. And, and when we live within that calling, whether it be discreet or, or, you know, more on the front lines, it's, it's, it fulfills 
that thing that was created within us that only God can amend, that only God can fill. And when we find that, and when we actually cross that threshold, like you were saying, like the, the submitting to, all these things start to make more sense and it falls into place. But it's crazy because it doesn't happen unless you just take this chance, right? They, they call it the leap of faith. And, and yep. it's less of a leap as more of it is getting on your knees, which is interesting. <laughs> uh, I, always, I always believe that faith, like literally faith could be spelled surrender. Like mm -hmm. it's just laying it all down. Like what does faith look like? Like how, if you were saved by grace through faith, like how would you have grace? It's surrendering. It's laying it down before the Lord and just, you know, getting to that place to say, God, it's all yours. You know, and like, I've always heard like, oh yeah, like a lot of people will say faith is spelled I-R-S-K. Um, there's a saying like that. And I always laugh and I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, but it's pronounced surrender, right? Like <laughs> it's really a place like if you want faith, you need to learn to submit to before Lord. Like that's where it all comes from. That's how you access everything. It's it's never, it's never you. It's always him. And I mean, whatever, what's humility? I mean, really, truly to the point of like, I'm sorry. Like, it's not like, yeah. And I just say like, coming to a place where you can actually just say, God, it's you, not me. That's huge. Humility, so. humility is by biblical definition, especially in this covenant that we're living is it's knowing who your source is and giving mm -hmm. it to your source. Yeah. Right. Everything, yep. everything, the more you give everything to that source, the, the funny yep. thing is the irony is, is that he brings it back in an abundance, much be pressed down and shaken, much better than we could have done on our own. Right. Yep. Yeah, but he always gives it back, does something better with it. It's, it's so true. Yeah, and it's just so weird how we, because like you said, the way we were raised, and, and even in, even when we're raised with good father figures and, and mothers, yeah. when, we're, when we're, we're raised and we're conditioned when, when, you know, living in this world, we're conditioned to think that you have to do it the way the world does it. Yeah, yeah. yeah there was, uh, like, so I, I actually was super, I grew up with a great dad and he was one of those dads that, you know, would come back and apologize after he did something wrong, you know, and if he made a mistake, he would apologize for it. And growing up, I, that's actually something that was, you know, instilled in me that, you know, it's sometimes it's not sorry, but I meant it this way. It's like, it's, I'm sorry. I was wrong. <laughs> and I always laugh because I've had conversations with people before and, and, you know, instead of them just apologize, like apologizing, they're like, I'm sorry you took it that way, or I'm sorry that it seemed like this. I was actually trying to do it this way. And it's like, they've never apologized. And to be honest, like they've never come to a place where they can actually say, I'm just, I'm sorry, I messed up. And I'll be honest, our culture teaches us today that mistakes are wrong. And mm -hmm. I, I hate that. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, schooling system, um, the state has taught that, you know, a mistake is a, is a red mark on a paper and it's going to dock you your score. I mean, the church has um, crucified people practically for making mistakes, like not, and I mean, always that extent, but if you see what I'm catching up and uh, we've taught people that making a mistake is like, you don't want to do that. You'd rather just say nothing than make a mistake. Um, so wrong. I mean, you can't move a vehicle very easily left or right unless it's moving forward. You got to be forward before you can turn it and i always looked at it with like even with god if you don't know where to start and you're scared of making a mistake it's like god is not scared of your mistake just go after it start seeking start pursuing and god will turn it and man if you make a mistake i am sorry and he is a very merciful and loving god he is he is big <laughs> and he's been bigger than a lot of mistakes that i've made but that's how you learn a lot of times too and i'll be honest i've sometimes i would rather learn from a mistake sometimes i'm sometimes telling me don't do this which may not be the right thing, but I've learned very well from mistakes. So, well, I was just going to say, I don't, and there is, there is a due diligence. Yes. And this goes into a very good conversation, but, but just to piggyback off what you're saying, sometimes, especially, I mean, not just for men, but sometimes and the only way to learn is by making that mistake and then, but, but then, but not fearing that mistake. Okay. Yep. It, it's, it's not that you can't ever do it again. It's just, maybe it wasn't the right time. This is something I've learned about mistakes. There is earnest mistakes, and then there's insubordinate mistakes. Okay, insubordination isn't really a mistake. That's rebellion. That's disobedience, like we were talking about. That's a different conversation. What we're talking about is, is, is the earnest mistake, the, oh, maybe I just missed it. 
But did you really? Probably not. Like there's no scenario in life where you can have adventure, where you can advance, where you can be expanding without bumping into something, without, without hurting, you know, certain, I don't know, comfortabilities without, yeah, without, without getting out there and getting bruised. Yeah. But it's worth it. Yeah. No, that, yeah, you definitely hit that right on. That's exactly exactly it sometimes you just have to try and go for it and you know learn as you're going and there's a lot of that honestly so yeah man well i love i love what you're saying so one thing i wanted to talk to you about as well just off the top of my head because i don't even know how to say this but my my i don't know i just struggle and i don't i shouldn't say struggle but man maybe jealous a little bit but it's like I remember I just, I just been raised in a church my whole life and I never really experienced healing. Like I never prayed for someone and healed someone. I've never really seen anybody healed. And I remember talking to you when we were like 19 years old and, you know, we just kind of had a general discussion about Christ and, you know, we did, but I remember yep. like, Hey dude, I just prayed for somebody because their leg was shorter than the other. And I just prayed for it and it extended. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> I was like, how, how? And, and so I've always been on this journey of like, I don't know. You know, it says to covet the spiritual gifts, and but there's an ear, there's an eye. So I've been kind of on this back and forth, but I would just love to hear more about like, okay, what is healing to you? Like some stories, whatever. I don't know. I don't know anything, but I'd like to know more. I would love to share on it. I mean, I, I mean, first off, like the Bible, I mean, Jesus, all authority on heaven and earth has been given unto him and he gives it unto us. And he says, go therefore make disciples. So, I mean, as a believer in Christ, as a son or a daughter, you have all authority in heaven and on earth. And if we look at what he called his disciples to, and even look at the life of Jesus, everywhere he went, he would pray for the sick. Okay, and now people will say, well, maybe he didn't pray for every single person. Um, I mean, a lot of times it said that when every city you go to, you know, he would pray for all the sick. So every person there and they would all be healed. And so we saw that that was like a life of Jesus. And I, I honestly believe that it's God's will for people to be healed. Um, I don't believe that God is has putting sickness on people or, or, uh, He's, you know, condemning them to death with cancer. I mean, I, I believe sin has its place in the world and that those are the effects of sin, that if God's will was done here on earth as it is in heaven, as in heaven, there's no sickness. And um, so that's, I believe God's will is really for people to be healed. And to be honest, this is one of those things you just, I just, I remember one day I saw a Facebook video and someone was prayed for somebody and they got healed. And I was like, what? No way. I didn't even believe it. I grew up in a church that taught it or believed it at all. And I also didn't grow up in a church that believed in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues either. And, and that, when that happened to me, and, you know, I was like, okay, like there's a lot here. I don't always, I didn't know. And I'm fine to not know. I'm, I'm humble. I've, I've been humbled by the Lord, let's be honest. And I'm ready to relearn. And so I just went out and started praying for people. And I was like, I'm going to go muster up all the strength and courage I can to walk up to someone and ask if I could pray for them for healing. And so I just sat there and looked for this first sick person in a mall and walked up to him and actually i watched a lot walk by because i was super scared but <laughs> it's it's really intimidating it's crazy and i always oh, yeah. tell me go out to tell someone about jesus or pray for people or and if you're going to pray for healing it's always that first step that's the hardest it's if you take that first step it gets a whole lot easier and uh i prayed for a handful of people i remember the first lady i prayed for uh she was old and kind of hobbling and I prayed for her and she was like, I feel all tingly. And I was like, great. I'm like, do you feel any better? She's like, thank you, son. Like I, I do. And I was like, okay, I didn't believe she got healed. I don't know if she got healed. <laughs> like, okay, this is great. And I left. And uh, after praying for people for months and not really sure if miracles were actually happening or not, like I never, I, I did see like a leg grow out. I've been telling you about that. And uh, like believing that was a miracle, but not really a hundred percent sure if it was real, you know? And uh there was the first one that actually ever blew my mind. There was a girl who had broke her finger playing volleyball in a youth group that I was helping out in. And dude, this finger was crooked. It, it was swollen. Um, it was her pinky finger. And like, if you put it next to her other pinky finger, it was noticeably different. And I remember like, I gathered all the kids around. I was like, guys, the Bible says that, that Jesus is a healer. Let's pray. And so we prayed for this and we were like, father, I thank you that this, this pinky be made whole right now in Jesus name. And all these kids were around praying and and I was like, okay, I want you to check your pinky. And she moved in. She goes, oh, that's weird. And I'm like, well, what? And she's like, it doesn't hurt. And I'm like, well, put it next to her other pinky again. And she put it up next to her other pinky. And this pinky was totally straight, no swelling, nothing. 
And she ended up going and playing the volleyball game that she had in like two days later. And like her pinky worked perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, I was like, okay, I'm a believer that God heals. And so, yeah, anywhere and everywhere, like we go, like, I mean, I'll be honest, I walk past people who I see that are maybe sick and in pain. I don't always pray for them. Uh, I know there's a time for it and stuff like that too. And I don't always feel that I'm called to pray for every single person, but I do believe that it's a, it's a way that people can experience the kingdom of heaven and experience the love of God, um, that every Christian, and you only have to have a gift for it. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I've started praying for people for healing. I don't think I ever had a gift for healing. I just started going for it. And there'd be nights I'd pray for 10 people and I didn't see one person say they feel better or, or, or even get healed. And then there's other days where I'm praying and someone stands up out of a wheelchair or a blind eye opens mm-hmm. and being able to see these things. And I'll be honest, like these signs will follow those that believe. And if you believe you'll lay hands on the sick. And so like, it just starts with laying hands on sick people and praying for them to be made whole. And it honestly doesn't matter what you say. You could say anything as long as it's in the name of Jesus and just believe that they're going to be healed. And a lot of times they'll be healed. God capitalizes on those opportunities and, and those open windows for people to come to know Jesus. And it's incredible. You look at the Bible, every time that we see a miracle happen in the Bible, okay, not just a healing, but just a miracle, at least you will see one people either repent or people praise God. And so miracles today are are needed, especially in our generation, um, to bring people either to repentance or to bring them into a place of praising God. And it, it opens up doors. And uh, I'll be honest, like uh, here at the beginning of the year, I'll share this, this testimony. We, we were sitting outside of Tamarack hall, that, that big hall of, I don't know if you remember it. It's like oh, a 12, yeah. 12 story building, biggest uh, or tallest building in the entire County, they say. And, <laughs> it, and we ended up, I get a bunch of dirty work rags that I have. Okay. And I, and they're full of paint and drywall and stuff like that. And I, I tie them together in a big circle and I laid them on the ground outside. And I had some students with me who had never evangelized, who'd never gone out and told people about Jesus. And we prayed over the circle. And I just said, we're going to pray over the circle that whoever steps into it would experience the love and the power of Jesus and the kingdom of God. And we just prayed over the circle. And then we sat there and waited. And a young guy walks over and I'm like, Hey bro, I'm like, want to come stand in the circle? And he kind of looks at me like a little weird. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll tell you what we prayed over it and that we would experience Jesus. So I'm like, it's up to you. If you want to stand in that circle and experience Jesus or not. And he's like, kind of like, Oh, whatever. And so he stood in the circle and, and he's kind of looking at me and I'm like, okay, I, I, did you have any pain in your body? He was like, yeah. He's like, my, my shoulder is messed up. And I'm like, well, I want you to check your shoulder. And he moves his shoulder and he just get that face. He's just like, where to go, you know, and he's moving it again and again. And he's like, what's going on? And I'm like, dude, Jesus is a healer and he, he loves you. And I'm like, we just prayed over the circle that you would experience the, like the kingdom of God. And crazy enough, dude, like he, he got out of the circle. His next buddy walked up in the circle who had some pain in his body from working out, I believe. And God actually took that away crazy enough too. And he was like, freaked. he ran off in a Tamarack, right? Come out with three floors three floors of students okay and they're literally standing in line there's like 30 people standing there in line waiting to stand in the circle because they all want to experience the love and the power of jesus and no joke one person after person we just kept ministering to them um god ended up healing this uh there was a a girl who used to be a catholic who stood in the circle who had a broken foot and Hmm. um standing in the circle i was like i just explained it i was like hey jesus is healing anyone who stands in the circle right now did you have pain in your body she's like yeah my foot is fractured and i was like well i want you to move it and she began to move it and she's like it doesn't hurt and she's like i used to be a christian i, I went to christian school and and yada yada and we just began to minister to her and like jesus is still here he still loves you he never left like he wants that relationship with you and i'm like are you ready to do that tonight and she said yeah i want to i want to do it again and she just in tears, you know, gave her life to the Lord right there, standing in that circle. And some people who didn't need healing in the circle would stand there and just feel like total peace. Like people who are just riddled with anxiety, it would just come off. Uh, people who like, they would stand in the circle and just be like, I just like ask like, what do you feel going on? And they'd be like, I just feel super clear. Like my head, like, like it was like a, a cloud was over my head, but now I can just think clearly. And I'm just like, Jesus, like, what else is that? Like, I don't know, but we're just going with whatever it is outside the box you might say but i was like it's administered to students and a lot of people actually end up catching up with that first guy who's god touched his shoulder a couple months later and he's like that actually changed my entire perspective on god 
he's like since then. And so we actually got to sit down with him and had like a 45 minute conversation about Jesus. And he was stoked for Jesus after the conversation and just some super cool stuff. So, but yeah, yeah. healing, uh, yeah, it starts, it just starts by going and laying hands on the sick and praying for him. I mean, that's where it starts. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when I was hearing you talk about it, I, I realized something about humility and humility really is like when you get rejected or maybe the first time doesn't happen or the second time doesn't happen or the third time doesn't happen. It's, it's, it takes a lot of humility to read the Bible and be like, well, the Bible says that this is, this is the truth, right? <laughs> like this is what's supposed to happen. It may not be happening right now, but I'm going to keep doing it. That is a threshold that it, that's hard to come over or through but when you do it it's you see what you see and and i think that's really incredible and i think that testimony alone is is what people need to hear that may have grew up in a church may have you know kind of feel that emptiness that we all sort of feel but like but like i like i read the bible but i don't see what it is i feel like i'm supposed to see yeah it's that uh the experience a lot of times we we weigh our experience over the word instead of weighing the word over our experience and i'll be honest that's that's probably been the downfall with many um christians today is that is the words the word of god says something but our experience says something different but so we go with our experience as the truth and i'm like dude you have to hold the word of the truth even when you don't experience even when you don't feel it it's like this is still the truth so this needs to become my experience eventually and you hold on to it, man. I mean, I, I know there's a verse in John. It says, yeah, you hold to the truth. You know, we continue to hold to the truth. Even if it doesn't seem like it's real, you just hold on to it and keep believing. And yeah, I'll be honest. I was, I'll even say this. Like there's been many times I've laid hands on people and prayed for them for healing, believing that they're going to get healed in that moment. Like I'm like, oh, like they've got neck pain. I'm like, I've seen a hundred people healed with neck pain, pray in the name of Jesus. And it's like, they're like, it still hurts. So I'm like, are you sure? Check again. Like, <laughs> I'm blown away. I'm like, how is their neck still hurt? That doesn't make any sense. And I mean, crazy enough though, like in those times, like there's so much just love. And I always tell people, I'm like, when you go out, not looking for a miracle, but you go out to love people, love never fails. And so I always encourage people, I'm like, doesn't matter if they don't get healed. doesn't matter if they do. Like you're going with love. And if you're loving them, it always will succeed. I mean, I've seen people, I've gotten like words of knowledge before like that's another thing that i love to do is like when the lord speaks just going for a word of knowledge and um the times that i'll miss it and there are times i get it but i've missed words of knowledge i've prayed for them they didn't get healed you know butchered everything and they still gave lord at the end and it's like why because love never fails and it's like you were there trying to love on them and encourage them in some way and it and it spoke to them and they listened you know mm -hmm. and that was that was the other thing that i wanted to say when i was hearing you talk was the uh you've you've gained a lot of wisdom and maturity when you said you know i don't always pray for everybody or i don't always try to heal everyone because there's a time and place i was like that's a tough thing to learn you know because especially as young believers and when we experience some things it's like this is never going to stop or you know i have to pray for everything and i've learned that you know there is that obedience to one there is this welling up inside you there is this inspiration then there is also this laboring the rest but there, but it it never seems to be the case because it almost seems like Satan attacks you when he's like, you have to do this, like you have to do this, and if you don't, you're not good enough. Yeah, no, absolutely. There was I remember early on when I was praying for the sick and stuff, and really going after it was like if I didn't, if I saw someone who was sick and I didn't pray for him, I honestly I would like feel like condemned after. And I remember just being like, that's not right. Like there shouldn't be that condemnation that comes along it with it because honestly, at that point in time, it was works. And for a large, like majority of that time of like praying for the sick right away, it was all workspace. Like I, I do, I didn't even have freedom. I, I would be out telling people about Jesus, praying for sick people. And I'd be out um, partying, going to church hungover the next day. I had no, like literally no relationship with the Lord and purity and holiness in my life. And I was still doing the works, but not actually like in, in a place where I was supposed to be with the Lord. And that's the dangerous part about it is like, just because you could pray for the sick and see him healed and get a word of knowledge or prophesy doesn't mean that you have a relationship with Jesus. You know, um, there's a, a verse in Matthew seven, it says, you know, uh, you will cast out demons and perform signs in my name, but it'll say away from me. I never knew you, you doers of lawlessness. And it's like, God is so concerned about one thing and it's his will. 
And his will is that we would be sanctified. Okay. And then that is, that is God's will that we would be sanctified. It says in, 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 uh, in first Thessalonians four, my will is that you shall be sanctified that avoid sexual morality impurity, greed, lust of all kinds. And I believe that God is worried about that one thing. And if we know him and love him, he will come to us and sanctify us and purify us in our life. And that is, that is first, the one thing that every believer should be going for versus signs, wonders, or miracles or giftings all that's secondary, like so secondary. And so we try to encourage people with that all the time that like, man, having a relationship with Jesus, being obedient to him in your life, that's that's number one, so. Yeah, yeah well, 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 let's hammer this home because we have been talking about the spiritual gifts, but I mean, Paul makes it very clear that love is better than it all. And yeah. you were alluding to that earlier where it doesn't matter if, I mean, it, obviously it matters, but at the end of the day, what is the most important that you were trying to build a relationship with them and that you wanted to do what was best for them in that moment to a complete stranger. Some strangers have never even felt love. Some strangers have never had their dad apologize to them when they were wrong. So it's, it's bizarre to them to see someone take that opportunity to love them regardless of results. Because the ultimate result is the first thing. And I was talking about this on my last podcast where sometimes the only thing you got to do is say hi, right? Because we feel that pressure sometimes to do these spiritual gifts. But when in reality, the best gift of all is just loving. And a lot of times a simple hi can be the most loving thing in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Just that that love to sit there with somebody or take a moment for them um, shows so much. And uh, that a lot of times is what opens up those doors. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely true. I honestly see that a lot. So yeah, let's so let's talk about let's just get into it a little deeper since we're already yeah. at that point. Let's, let's talk it. about uh sanctification and then let's talk about salvation because you said God's will in first Thessalonians four is that you be sanctified. Yeah. And we you had mentioned sexual immorality and lust, all these things. Okay, yeah. but sometimes what we don't explain is why. Why is it important to be sanctified, right? We already have been Say, saved right and, yep. we, and we have this foundation of relationship how does sanctification come about yeah so well here, here's there was a teacher his name is leonard ravenhill and he said this this is this was something inspirational in my life he says what are you saved from like we've been saved what are we saved from and he's like are you saved from going to, to hell or are you saved from lying and cheating and lust and greed and i was like whoa like I mean, the, the reason Jesus came was to save us from sin. Okay. And like, this is, this is his priority. Like, I mean, they all thought Jesus was supposed to, you know, deliver them from the Roman empire, you know, this King on a horse, but he came instead on a donkey and went to a cross. And it's like, what was he there for? He was there to destroy the demonic strongholds, the powers of the devil and to free us from what was truly the enslaver of all humankind, which was sin. And so, um, I mean, you've said a prayer. We've prayed a prayer of Jesus, like, come into my life. And we believed in him. We, we confessed with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believed in our hearts, like we're saved, right? And then what's the next step? And, and Paul actually says in the book of Acts, he says, I, I, preach, I preach the gospel that is to those who are sanctified by faith in him. All right. Jesus is that him that he's talking about. And this was the gospel he was given and preached to be sanctified by faith in him. And I, I always say this to people, I'm like, we, we believe in a, it's very orthodox view to believe that you are justified by faith, right? So I'm saved, made right in God's eyes just by believing, right? Just by having faith in him. And I would come down to so surrendering everything, you know, not holding anything back. You've given it all to the Lord, got before him and, and laid down your life. Now you are saved, right? Justified by God sanctification i believe comes the exact same way it is not works it is not a lifelong process of trying to get better and 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 trying to do this and trying to do that it's it all comes from a place of surrendering to the lord and letting him do it see it's like i i can't do it i couldn't get over a pornography addiction like i couldn't get over um like smoking weed like i couldn't get over those types of things but when i surrender it to the lord and his power his grace comes into my life, now I'm able to do it. And I'm not doing it by my own works. I'm doing it by his power. And, and that's like, it's, it's such a beautiful thing. And that's what we try to teach people so many times that like, don't try to stop doing it. Just trust in the Lord, surrender it to the Lord and let 
him do it through you and it becomes possible. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. how many comments of how people are like, it's not possible for me to be free from this sin or this and that thing, or I can't ever forgive that person. I mean, I hear that all the time. And it's like, well, surrender to the Lord and let his grace do it, do it for you. Like he can enable you to do it. And I honestly believe, I mean, he's done it in my life and he can do it for me. He can do it for anybody, you know, mm-hmm. and that's a beautiful part of it. It's just this powerful grace, you know? So I hope that, I mean, that helped kind of oh, people yeah, understand sanctification. The Lord yeah, here, this is a great illustration. I always show people like to, I'm like, just that simplicity of it is like, I always, I, I show them a, a hand. And I, I'm like, you can either have a closed hand before God or an open hand. And I'm like, I, everything in my life, I try to keep it in an open hand. If I ever see it closed, I, I realize that I'm already wrong, that I'm trying to do it by myself. And I re- open it up to the Lord and anything he wants, he can take it and he can give it back. And he can put something there or take something else away. And it's all before the Lord with the open hand saying, God, it's yours. You know, mm-hmm. and not me doing it. It's him. So. Yeah, dude, I think that I don't think it can be explained any better. I and I just I just want people to know the difference, because if you grew up in a church like we did or, or and a lot of people listening have or may have had heard some things. But sometimes sanctification scares us because sometimes we think we can lose our salvation if we're not walking up the steps of sanctification basically but it's it's not like that you know it's just it's just so like us to think that because of how we're conditioned yep no it's definitely true um i mean we're definitely conditioned in that sense and uh i would yeah i know exactly what you're saying um i always talk to people too here's like another like another thing that i find is um someone's going through a an issue, some sin habit in their life. And they're, you know, they've been like, I've been in it for 10, 20 years, you know, and like, I'm trying to get out of it. And there's this process. And we a lot of times talk about sanctification as a process, you know, God loves you in it in the whole time, you know, like he understands that you're trying and working on it. And there's that place of religion of like works. I mean, people who are religious want to please God, but they can't do it, you know, and that's where that place of actually a relationship or, or the spirit of God and, and, the spirit that sets you free from sin, the spirit of life actually comes and helps us having him help you do that. But anyways, where I'm going is this phrase. It's, it's the process of being set free. This process of sanctification is, is actually not a process. It's the only process is actually coming to the finished work of the cross. Okay. So it's a process of understanding that Jesus has already undergone this process for us. So for some guy, he might hear this right now. Maybe you've been struggling with sin for five years, right? And he hears this and he's like, I don't have to struggle with sin anymore. This God can deliver me from that right now. I believe it. Jesus has finished it and set me free. Boom. Tomorrow, free. Tonight, right now, this moment, free, you know? And to somebody else, they hear that. They don't understand it. It hasn't made sense yet. And in three years from now, they figure out that Jesus has already finished it for them. And now they are going to enter into that freedom, which was already purchased 2000 years ago, you know, but mm-hmm. it's like, it's, that's the process. The process is just understanding that Jesus has already done it for us and it's surrendering it to him to, to believe and to trust, you know? Yeah. And that, and that's exactly what it is. And this, this is the crazy part about, it, right? Jesus had to start from the starting line and he had to do the whole thing, right? It was a long race. Okay. But he did it. And the crazy part about him doing it is because of that now because of the time period that we're in because of what jesus did we get to start from the finish line right yep. <clears throat> jesus is our our first leg our second leg our third leg our fourth leg right yep. and then he hands us the baton at the finish line and then everybody says wow good job josh good job Devin." right yep. that's what it is yeah that's what it is that's what it is that's what it is and so when you rest in that it's it's weird how everything just falls off and, and it's not a struggle per se because it's just so weird because it just jams up like neurologically it just jams up your brain so much because of how we're conditioned and it just just everything just falls away it's so strange but you're right like it could happen tonight it could happen three years from now it just kind of depends on the heart and the brain like when they hear certain things or maybe it's said a certain way whatever it is for whatever reason some things just hit different you know as the kids say (laughs) (laughs) different (laughs) not how like I mean, a lot of people always will bring that up and kind of answer your question. Like, how about that person that was like, I have freedom. And then like, they went back to that thing that they did. And how are they saved? You know, and I always tell people, I'm like, well, where is your heart at? You know, like, 
are you going back to it and just staying in it and can continue on in that thing? Or are you like actually being led back to repentance? You know, like, are you like, is there that godly sorrow? Like, God, I'm sorry I did this. Like, you didn't create me for this. Like, this isn't what you want for intended for me. And are you going to step back out and get back up? And I believe there's a, a verse that I've held on to in my life because there's been times, you know, that I've done something. I was like, oh, shoot, I should not have done that. Like, I was free from that. Why did I do this? You know, like, why did that creep back in? And I'll be honest, every time I ever has creeped back into my life, I've realized that I've taken my eyes off of Jesus and I'm not living by faith, but I'm actually living by works. I'm trying to do it in my power and I'll find myself falling on my face again and again. And so I just come back to a place of just being like, Lord, I'm sorry, but you did not create me for this. And I, I ask that you just take it away. I just surrender to you right now. Set me mm -hmm. free. You did before. And like, I, it never should have came back to my life. I took my eyes off you. I apologize. I am so sorry. And in that moment, there's, there's the love and there's mercy and God just comes back in and he comes back in. And, and honestly, I would never question my salvation in those moments. I would never be the guy to be like, oh, dude, if you sinned right before you got, died in a car crash, you're going to hell. Like, no, I would not say you're at that point. I would say if you had a, if your heart was hard towards God and you were living in that place and, you know, for a while and you had no intentions of really coming back to God and you, and you died. Yeah, maybe you would want to be concerned from your soul. I would encourage mm -hmm. that person. They need to get right before God and, and to repent, you know, to see that they can't do it on them by themselves. So they need him. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So let me just, because, and this is another reason I love doing this podcast because I realized God gives me things just to say in this podcast, like, you know what I mean? Because that's how God works. He always wants us to speak it to the community, right? It's not just for yourself. And he gives me specific things like, oh, I know Devin's coming up on a podcast. So then he'll give me specific things to speak to Devin on a certain podcast. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> one, one. Okay. If your good works can't get you into heaven, then your bad works can't send you to hell. Okay. That is, that's, that's kind of hard to understand at first. Okay. So then I asked God, I was like, okay, that's like, who, who, who goes to hell and who goes to heaven? And yeah. he goes hard hearts and in, in this, in this dispensation of grace, hard hearts go to hell and soft hearts go to heaven. Okay, mm -hmm. and that's and that's the whole story of Pharaoh, and that and that's the time period we're living in right now. Okay, yep. because every time Pharaoh was presented God, he hardened his heart, and then he started to hate the church. So yep. if you if if you're a person that it's it, there's a difference between falling from grace, which we all do, and then mm -hmm. there's and then you know again the, the conversation of losing your salvation. We won't get in that. You yep. not you don't lose your salvation based off sin. You. <laughs> You could argue you never were saved if you have a hard heart and, and you maybe had this radiance like Moses did when he came down from Mount Sinai, but it, it, but it faded because he lived in that certain covenant. But in this covenant now, if you don't have an everlasting radiance, it's because you have a hard heart and you could question that you were ever saved. Maybe. Okay. And, and I know this. And so anybody listening right now, all you have to do, okay, if you're questioning your salvation, just ask God. Do I have a hard heart? We have things that he's, he's working out in us. That's the sanctification, okay? But as long as you continue to, like you said, surrender to, to have this softness towards God's, towards God's correction, his loving correction that cast out all fear, then it doesn't matter if you sinned in that moment and died because yeah. he judges your heart, not your actions. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's, uh, that's actually a really good way of putting it. Yeah, like uh, if you were literally, uh, there's, okay, I just, when you talk about the hard heart, soft heart, there's a verse, it's like, it's in Ezekiel and the Lord says, uh, I wish to take from you a heart of stone and to give you a heart of flesh, right? And I, I just can't help but think about that. And I love it because it's like, yeah, there's so many people just, you hear God, they hear the name of Jesus and they just literally growl. Like they want nothing to do with God. Like God can heal them. God can love them. God can open up the heavens and speak to them and they will curse his name. They don't want mm -hmm. any, they are completely against him. And then there's that person who's like, I'm, I want to live for God. I'm trying to live for God. Um, they're learning and, and they, they, they're making mistakes along the way. And it's like that person's at least headed in the right direction and God's going to steer them. And, and, and I say in that place is like, dude, he's a good father. And listen, if he's correcting you, like uh, David said, search my heart, oh Lord. Right. Like I do that constantly with the Lord. I'm like, God search me. And as a good father, if there's something there that's not supposed to be there that's hurting me and i'll be honest sin produces death any sin in our life is going to hurt us and as a good father if i saw my little girl running around with a knife 
I'm going to rip that knife out of her hand. I am not going to let her continue doing that because she could trip on it and it could hurt her or she could cut her little brother. I mean, it, there's a, you're not going to let your child play with sin and not tell him. And so if you're in a place that's not right with God, he's speaking. He's speaking to you about it already. And, and it's, it just comes to that place to just be obedient, submit to the Lord, let him take it from you, surrender it to him. You know, I mean, yeah, you'll know. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and, and it's like the Lord has already been speaking to you about something already, it's like, you can literally just say, God, take it from me. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's not angry that you haven't given it to him yet. He's literally just as a father, so happy that you were, that you're his child and he, you want to give it to him, you know, like, and that you're willing to let go of it because he truly wants what's best for you. And for us, you know, so yeah, it's just and and that and that and that's the thing that people need to hear more of. Okay, like the reason God doesn't like sin is because it's it's you, it's us settling for something less than. Yeah, okay, the, right, and and it, it, sin brings death because it's the opposite of life. And a lot of people have this because we've been conditioned to think, oh, sin is cool. Like doing this is is fun, or doing this is is whatever. It's like, well, if you stick on that long enough, you'll find out that it's not. It 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 has a bitter end to it. And okay. and if we would just like you said, just submit, surrender, and, and and try this different path that's been laid out for in a book for over five thousand years of wisdom. <laughs> we yeah. would just trust this instead of somebody on Instagram. We would find out that this is actually what is best for us, and who and and we we overcome that. I've had this fear of being misunderstood, and and when we overcome that, it's like little by little you start to get set free from something that's holding you back. Sin holds you back, and how we manifest that sin has its consequences between humans mostly. Okay, but but if if you are truly seeking a way out, you will get out by the grace of God. Oh, absolutely. If you are seeking him, man, like, like we've always heard, like you can't be in the presence of God with sin, right? Like God can't stand in the presence of sin. Um, and there's some theological things with that, that are probably weird because David said, I make my bed and Sheol, I'll be there with you. Um, but I mean, like, let's be honest. Yeah. You, God does not want it there. He does not want to have his temple, um, have something that's not supposed to be there. You know, like, I mean, Jesus flipping tables and cracking a whip because, people were in the temple, like the house of God, who were greedy and who were in sin. And, and God wants us, who his, his new temple, to be pure. And so anything that comes into that that's not there, dude, he's jealous and he is flipping mm-hmm. tables. He wants it out. And in a most loving way, it's, it's crazy. It's like, and I've noticed that in my life that I'm like, things will come up and I'll, I'll be, uh, the Lord will just instantly convict me. Boom. And it's just like, and it's to the heart. And it's like, it literally, you're like, I actually feel like, like if I was to continue in doing this, I would die. Like, it's like this, mm. I cannot continue on in this. Like, I can't, I have to stop. And it's just instant apology, making things right, apologizing to someone, whatever it is. It's like, I'm sorry, period. I should never have done that. I was wrong, you know, and uh, just the Lord correcting. And he does that to those whom he loves. You know, that's one of the beautiful things is like, God is correcting. It's not a bad thing. He's doing it to you because he loves you. He wants what's best for you. Like, and we and, like about sin, like it leads to death. Like we don't realize sexual morality, the fruit of sexual morality is insecurity. I'm like, bro, we stand in a generation of people who are insecure. Well, why? All the sexual morality, the pornography, the things that have been in front of people for so long is breeding and producing a fruit of, of honestly insecurity, which is coming forth with anxiety and leads to depression. Like that's a fruit right there of what sexual morality is, you know, like, why are people dying and and on uh, from suicide and all this kind of stuff? A lot of it comes from self love, um, sexual morality. I mean, all these things. It's crazy. If we if we cut that out, you would have this life and joy already. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and 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 that's that's something I want to talk about is is where sin is. Grace super abounds. So it's not it's not so much kidding. Sorry, well, cutting it cold turkey or just quitting it. It's not it's not about stopping drinking. It, it's about, I noticed when my, and I, I don't ever say I had a porn addiction, but I definitely watched porn, but I, I just carefully say that because I don't want to exaggerate my situation because I know some people have had some serious problems, but for me, it was like a convenient thing. I did it. I did it a lot when I was hung over and, it, but it, but it wasn't something that I could just stop. So I definitely needed grace, but I realized 
it stopped when I started playing guitar. Like wow. it, it stopped when I started doing, you know, more podcasts. You know, when I started reading the Bible more, like it, these things stop losing their convenience to me because that's kind of all I really saw it as. Yeah. A lot of things just stopped losing its hold on me when I started taking steps you know, overcoming that fear of being misunderstood, taking steps of overcoming, you know, just trusting God. And the next yeah. thing I know, you know, I'm playing drums, I'm playing piano, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, you know, I'm doing other things. I'm coding, like I'm leading a group of young men. I'm doing things that I actually truly enjoy. It's way better than anything that, that was going on prior. But I've realized that for me, at least, there was this, this crossing over with obedience and surrender of replacing these things with something much, 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 much better. Yeah, no, that's it. I feel like kind of even saying that, like you enjoy doing these things. It's like, it's like your calling. It's like what God's created you for, you know, doing these podcasts and playing guitar and, and with this group of young guys, like God's put that in you. And there's that joy. There's that, that, that overflowing even into your own life. And like, you know, that's what you're called to do. And there's just no other room for anything else. It's like, just to please them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. There's just no other room for anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely it. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Well, my phone's about to die because I'm stupid and forgot a charger. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, again, a great conversation. We'll definitely have to do it again. Do you have any last words for anybody listening or myself or yourself or anything? Yeah, I mean, honestly, just to probably sum up this conversation, really. I mean, it's it's simple obedience, you know, love Jesus. And I honestly, there's no, there's no greater thing in this world than to just love him and pursue him. And uh, I haven't found one person that found anything better. This is it. It's him. And so I would encourage yeah, anybody listening and, and uh, just everybody, man, just it's Jesus. He's the one way he's it. So. Awesome, man. So that's Devin Barrett of eternal kingdom ministries. King. And eternal eternal yeah. king ministries. Sorry. Might have to edit that part out. <laughs> Good. <laughs> also drywall business if you ever need some drywall and some painting alright Devin Barrett thank you so much for this first episode appreciate you thanks Josh keep doing these man this is awesome